traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good Friday afternoon, equestrians. It's getting exciting now. Everybody's starting to head back south to get ready for all the big horse shows and all the big horse racing and out to California for the Breeders' Cup and, you know, everywhere. It's just all happening now. You know, the World Equestrian Center is going good up in Ocala. Uh, they're doing really good in Tryon up in North Carolina and Kentucky and you know, it's just all getting good everywhere. We got the hand, uh, we got the um, little brown jug coming up here uh, soon uh, for the standard bridge. We got all the sales. We got everything going. I tell you what, it, it's just really exciting time of year and everything. And you know, like we've been talking about for a long time now about how organized you are, how how, how you have to plan. And, and this is a tough time of year because you've got to have all your plans together. You got to have your horse transportation lined up, your housing for your employees lined up. Uh, you got to have uh, your feed companies uh, making the switch to wherever you're going in for the winter. Um, you got to have the horse transportation. Uh, you know, just about everything you, you you need to do in the barn has to be picked up and moved. And um, you know that, that's what's going to be the, the tough part of, of the year here. It's very stressful. Um, not only on on the uh, people, but the horses and everything. And so I'm going to give you a, a good insight here uh, about how how what it takes to get organized. Uh, and this is what a horse person. Uh, well, this is our thoroughbred chart that we have, and this is what you have to do and what you have to take into consideration for moving in September and, and getting ready for the new new equestrian year that comes up that runs usually september through july who does one race horse employ this is something to really think about just a few of the many people employed by just one race horse when you look at it you have the owner uh, the owner's uh, uh, established business lawyers insurance etc all for the owner that's who we start with then we have the horse breeding and training farms and their employees. So that's a lot right there in itself. A lot of people right there. Big farm, big employees. Then we go down to the horse breeder. Bloodstock uh, auction house, our agent and auction house, and its employees. A lot of employees there, depending on how big your service is. So already, already now we're talking owners, you know, horse breeders, everything. Then we're looking at the horse breeding farms and their employees. A lot of people right there. Now, this is just for one horse. We have a jockey, a jockey's agent, a jockey's valet that helps him. When, uh, valet is uh, one that keeps uh, the jockey's tack and, and um, uh, clothing and everything all clean and ready to go for him at the racetrack. So we got the jockey valet. We have equine massage therapist we have the farrier which is the blacksmith we have track and equipment uh dealers tax shops that we have so that you know we're looking right now quite a few people we're going to get up over 100 people uh, we have the feed and breeding uh, and bedding dealers the farmers that bring you the feed that take care of your bedding 
We have the veterinarian. We have the trainer. We have racetrack employees that are at like Churchill and Gulfstream, Belmont Park that, that, um, you know, uh, take care of the track, uh, the food vendors, um, the security people. Uh, that's, that's all part of, of, of the horse. We have, uh, laboratory testing personnel that, uh, you know, that are there to test all the blood and do all the things that need to be done, you know, uh, as far as, you know, veterinarian services are concerned. We have the groom. We have equine transport, the exercise rider. Uh, we have the, uh, escort ponies on, on the lead ponies on the track. We have the is, assistant trainers. Um, you know, that's a lot of people right there. And then we, and of course, we have the trainer. And that's how many people one horse employs. That's how many people it takes to get this, uh, get a horse to the races. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, you know, web that when you start to see how many people are there every day and where, where it goes. And then not only do, uh, you know, is that what one horse employs? Now you think about all those people that that horse employs and what do they do? They go to the Burger Kings, the Walmart, the Kentucky Fried Chickens, the Hertz Rent-A-Car, the hotels, the apartments, the houses, the gas stations, the doctors, the dentists. So you see how how one horse affects in a, commun- a community. It's just it's just amazing. I don't think that there's any other business in in this country that you can pick out one one item, one one single person, or this time a horse that employ that many horses, uh, that many, uh, you know, people. And, and it's just phenomenal when you start to think about it, when you look around it. Uh, you know, when you're out driving, if you're in a horse community, uh, where there's a racetrack or farm or whatever, and you're driving down the road, you look out and see somebody there, you wonder if they're in the horse business. Good chances they are. Good chances they are. But that's what one horse does you know, for, for the industry and the community. And it's just amazing once you start getting into the statistics that we've gotten into before and the thousands of dollars that are, are being generated by the horse industry. It's just, just kind of scary when you think about it, you know, and that's how important the horse industry is to, you know, our, our country and, and our city. And uh, so it's pretty tough. Um we got a lot of things that uh, have been going on here over the last couple of years uh, uh, about rules and regulations. Highs is stepping in to make sure that the sport is clean. Uh, they're taking care of a, a lot of drug issues that we had in the industry, uh, people breaking the rules and regulations and, you know, things of that nature. And HISA has now been, has now been going uh, strong over a year now. And it's really starting to pay off on it. It really is. Um, people know that they can't do what they were doing before. Uh, they're getting caught at it. They're getting punished for it. Some are even getting, you know, going to jail for it. And, and that's one thing I like about the horse business now is it's making sure that the rules and regulations are being followed. And like I keep telling everybody, I tell everybody all the time, the eye does not lie. The eye does not lie. You can go out and you can look at a farm. You can look at a, a show horse facility. 
You can look at uh, a racehorse uh, training facility. Uh, you can go to the track. You can go everywhere. The eye doesn't lie. What you see is what it is. And if you want it to be nice and clean and organized and real professional, uh, you know, then you, you, you know that when you're there because the eye will tell you the truth. You know, and a lot of the racetracks, uh, they kind of look like a Disney World. They got the flowers. They got everything organized. It's clean, neat, you know, efficient. Uh, they have everything there to cater to the to you know the employees. Same thing at the horse shows and and the, and the horse sales and um, you know and the eye won't lie to you, my friend. You know and and when you go out, you can see, you can tell, and you feel good. And as soon as your eye sees a good situation, a good facility, it, it relaxes you and it relaxes the horses. You know and, and you see that the employees and the people are taking pride in what they have. You know, there. You don't have to second guess them. You don't have to be uh, telling them what to do because day in and day out, it's spot on. And, and that's that's what what I like about the horse business. It can be as good as you want it to be, if you work hard at it. And then you got to work hard at it to get to the top. And when you get to the top, getting to the top's not that hard. Staying on top is what's hard. You got to be organized. You got to be down down. Um, and, and digging every day to make it make it good, you know, and, and that can that can happen. You know, we we had a, a, for instance, uh, uh, which I, I don't I'm not bashing Bob Baffert because Bob Baffert's always had um, you know good horses, really respectable horses. And I remember back in the day he had a horse called Silver Bullet Day, and th- this was a good filly. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it was a good filly. And, you know, Bob comes in from California and, and uh, out of the quarter horse business. And, you know, he's winning races right and left. And so I'm over at Churchill Downs and I'm taking a horse over to Baffert that, that had flown in from the West Coast. And I go into Bob's barn and here I think, you know, I said, wow, Bob Baffert, the best of the best. And I go into his barn and I tell you what, it was really, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing. It, it was not maintained very well. Um, there were people in there. Um, so I asked the groom, I said, here's the papers for your horse. I said, what do you want me to do? And this groom was like the groom in charge. He says, put it in my wall box over there. He said, Mr. Baffert's not here yet. And this is later in, this is about 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. I said, oh, okay, you know, I figured he might have something to do, you know, with the press or, you know, owners or what have you. So I opened up the wall box of the groom, and there's two Coors Light beers in there open. And I'm thinking, here it is, 8 o'clock in the morning, and these guys are drinking, and they got the best horses in the world. It's, you know, it, it just didn't, you know, click with me, you know, that – a good uh, a good horse will make anybody look good, you know, and no matter what happens, you know, and, and that's what that's what happened. So that that was a setback for me, you know. And, and then I, I go over to Wayne Lucas's barn, and it's spot on. That thing is look like you're in a country club. There's shed rows right down. This grass outside is, is growing and, and cut and well manicured. The flower boxes on the outside of the barn are good. 
the clothes uh, uh, that the grooms are wearing are, you know, nice and neat. Um, you know, you just go through the whole barn and it's all organized. You know, you can tell that there's a system going and how they have it, you know, and, and that's why, you know, Wayne was, was winning like he was winning. But um, the thing here that, that got me is for two years, three years now, they've been talking about um, Medina Spirit. He got DQ'd, um, you know, from the Derby. And it's been a, a court battle right and left since, you know, since then. And I, I just I just don't understand. Um, the disqualification of Medina Spirit from the first place finish in the 2021 uh, Kentucky Derby ended in a regulatory uh, level August 22nd when the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission denied an appeal from the late, uh, from the late horse's connections. Um, but in, but the case is not fully resolved. The owner, Zendan Racing, will appeal the regulatory decision. So they've been going back and forth now since 2021 on, on this medication violation that this horse had. You know, they're, they're just, uh, it's just phenomenal how the people just keep going and going and going, you know, on it. The best thing to do, hey, you tested positive for it, you know, sorry about your luck. You, you just got to accept the punishment, you know, and now they're, they're keep dragging it on and on and on. And the thing that bothers me about this the most is the fact that it's become universal with all the trainers. Trainers spend more time in attorneys and thinking up excuses for why their horse tested positive. If it were me, and I know it'll never be me because I just don't have the talent to train horses, you know, uh, to get to that extent. I just say, hey, you know, I this. How did it happen? That, that'd be my first question. How did it happen? How did that horse get an excessive amount of drugs, you know, or a, a foreign substance in his system? That would be my first question. And I would go to the vet. That would be my second stop, would be the vet. What happened? How did this horse test positive for this medication? You know, did the vet put too much in? Did he not give it, you know, uh, enough time to get out of the system? That that would that's what I'd want to know, but the ultimate ownership of anything that happens with that horse is the trainer. The trainer, that's the guy, you know, or girl that has to answer for you know care, custody, and control. That's what that trainer has, and when something like that happens, you know, sorry about your luck, but it happened, and just you know, swallow swallow your medicine. And just say, yes, you know, that happened and I, you know, I've got no excuses. You know, that, that's the way I look at it. You know, and there, uh, it's hard to start telling, you know, stories about, oh, well, the groom rubbed the ointment on him. Uh, the groom ate some hay that was, had some, you know, something on it. Uh, the water bucket wasn't clean. You know, there's a million excuses out there. And so, uh, the highs of people are coming along now, and, and they're doing what they what they're doing. In fact, um, Todd Pletcher just got uh, t- 
tested positive, I think it was in Pennsylvania, and got a 15-day suspension. You know, and, and so that happens all the time in this business. But you've got to be very careful. You've got to control everything that you do. You've got to be organized. That's what you got to do. And, and that's what we've been talking about for a year now on this show. Organization, planning. How do you do it? How do you get to where you're going? You know, that, that's what you got to do. Like when you're shipping horses, you got to make sure that that, that that van and trailer and truck that you're on, you know, is disinfected and clean. You're starting good from, from you know, the get-go with them. You make sure that your grooms on there, uh, you know, are, are good good to go, that, that travel with the horses. You, you know, there's just so many things. There's a thousand things that an owner and a trainer have to do. And so that's what, you know, what we're looking at, you know, in, in that deal. But, you know, the, the Bob Baffert thing, he's had quite a bit of controversy. You know, he's missed out on several years in a derby that he could have won with horses that he had if he wasn't in a situation that he was in. And so instead of just accepting what happened with Medina Spirit and saying, okay, I'll take my punishment. No, he had to push it on. And by him trying to prove his point, you know, that that it wasn't him, you know, he's missed three derbies now. You know, and this is still going on. You know, just take your medicine. Say, you know, that happened, you know, sorry about it, you know, and go from there. But no, they're going to keep it going in in the courts, and you know maybe miss another derby, you know, and that's that's a shame for the owners, you know that is a shame for the owners. But um, we have uh, two more industry specific surveys that have been taken by the American Horse Council, and I, I love the American Horse Council because they they do these um, you know 2023 uh, um, equine uh, economic impact survey, you know, uh, uh, two or more of uh, uh, the industry-specific surveys are being released um, to shine the the spotlight on impacts of the horses within our communities. And and I can't stress enough, you know, to the public uh, how much the horse industry impacts everything that, you know, we do in our communities. Uh, it's a major part of it. Even though, even though uh, you know, you, you don't see a factory or or a building like uh, you would see, you know, downtown office buildings that's thirty stories high, or you know, a factory that's got two miles of concrete laid out there to manufacture, you know, trucks or you know whatever. You know, you have you have the, the racetrack, you have the farms that surround that are embedded into the community, and, and that's what's um, you know, it's hard to evaluate what they have. Um, you know, I just thought the other day, if we could get more schools, like a trade school where kids can learn, you know, about the industry, uh, it's just not like cleaning stalls and walking horses, you know, and giving them a bath. Uh, you know, we're looking at management, you know, uh, in, in these places, like uh, you know, working on the management team at Churchill Downs, that's that's a huge amount of people they employ in there that uh, are in the offices that uh, run all the computers, that uh, do all the, uh, um, you know, the website stuff. Uh, you know, it's just phenomenal, you know, how much this service is touched. 
and you know, I was thinking the other day when I was in grade school, I wanted to be in the horse business. And I just couldn't wait to be in the horse business. And I got to thinking I was how lucky I was because we had a teacher in grade school that helped push that idea. You know, that yes, you can be in the horse business. You know, you th- this is what you can do. You just got to, you know, uh, get with it, work with them. You know, go from it, go for it. Learn as much as you can about the business. And so that kept me going. And I tell you what, it's been really nice. I've had a good life. You know, that that's for sure. Um, now, now we're getting to the point in, in the horse business where, uh, like we had up at Saratoga, uh, they've got a great, great uh, family health clinic there for the grooms and everybody, so they don't have to go, you know, out into the uh, to the community. Uh, they can be medically treated right there on the spot. You got like your own urgent care, you know, center there. You got, uh, you know, programs for uh, for the kids uh, to be medically treated. Uh, you know, you have maternity uh, programs. Uh, you have everything there, and, and it's really good, you know, to see this happening. Um, you know, I remember one time I got hurt at, at the farm, and I had to go to the hospital. And I had to wait three hours to get stitches, to get four stitches in, in my hand. And, you know, I said, good gosh, I said, this is terrible. I missed a half a day of work, you know. Uh, and, you know, that came back in the next day. But now, with the way things are going with the, in the horse industry, if you get hurt right there, you know, at the track, you got a medical uh, services there that can take care of you. You know, and that's really exciting, you know, to have that, you know, to see, uh, you know, where we're going with that. Um, but, you, you know, it, it's it's kind of hard to say because I know a lot of people don't know a, a lot about horses. And, you know, there's all kinds of things to where you can go free. Uh, you can go out to the Kentucky Horse Park, uh, the Florida Horse Park. Uh, there's so many places you can go to where you can see horses. You can go see horse shows. Um, you can go to the sales. The sales are free uh, to go to. You walk around, they give you a book of who's in the sales, and it's got a lot of information on it. And, you know, uh, that's, that's a good thing that you can go to. And, uh, you know, I just can't stress enough. Get out and get into the uh, experimental stages of the horse industry. Uh, you might not ever be in the horse industry, but that never stops you from being a, a full-time fan. You know, that's what you can do. You can go watch the races at any racetracks around you or near you. You know, you don't have to be hands-on in the horse industry, and you don't have to gamble. You don't have to drink when you go to the races. You can have a great time there, and, and you know, uh, I, I know people say, oh, well, you go to the horses, you know, spend, waste all your money betting. You don't have to bet. You know, you do not have to bet. It's like the concession stand. They got coffee there, but you don't have to buy it. You, you, can, get a, you can get a soda, get water. You can get whatever. You know, and, and that's what I like about the, the horse industry. Um, you got so many things. You got show horses. You got harness racing. You got thoroughbred racing. You got the sales. Uh, you know, a lot of people go see the Lipizzan Stallions when they come to their area. You know, they put on a, a great horse show. 
you know, there's just so much that you can do there. It's got to get your organized, self-organized and go to it, you know, and do that. Um, you know, and then like, like we were saying, you know, about everybody in the industry and what we're trying to do to make the industry better. Um, we have added that uh, scrutiny for racing and training in NIRA, the New York Racing Association. Um, and August 30th, uh, the private attending veterinarian to perform a physical exam and attest that the horse is sound and fit to race. That's what I, that's what we've needed for a long time, you know, and it's very simple. It's very simple wording. You know, it says, and that's what I like about Heisen. All, all our rules and regulations are printed on white paper with black lettering. There's no gray. There's no in between. It's black or white. And that's what I like about the rules that are being implemented now. Uh, beginning August 30th, Naira will require the private attending veterinarian, uh, of, of that horse to perform a physical examination and attest that that horse is sound and fit to race. This examination is a, is a condition of entry that must be performed by the private attending veterinarian within 72 hours uh, window prior to the entries beginning uh, being accepted for the horse on that race day. So in other words, what they're saying is 72 hours beforehand, you got to have your veterinarian sign a statement, a sworn statement, that that horse is fit and ready to run. And see, that's what I like about Heisen. They figured out how how can we do this? We got to learn to when we point the finger of responsibility that it goes to them. So with this veterinarian certificate that's going to run, you know, uh, the the betting public, the the, vet, the patrons, hey, that horse, you know, according to the vet, is ready to go. Now, if something happens to that horse during the race. Then we're going to go and they'll do a necropsy, which is like an autopsy. And they check out, you know, why, what happened to this horse? Why did he do what he, you know, what, what happened to him? And so now you, you've eliminated a lot of things, you know, you can go to it. And so even, even though the result of a horse breaking down at the track, then you start backtracking from that point on. Yes, we know that he broke down on the track. We're trying to figure out why he broke down. Well, you go to the attendant that you look at his sheet and he says, yes, when I examined this horse in the last 72 hours, the horse is physically fit. He was ready to go and showed no signs of soreness, no signs of, you know, physical uh, problems or anything, you know, and then, and then he breaks down. So Dr. Bramley, uh, Rudin Riddle in Lexington, he started a, a project, and this is an enormous project. Again, it goes back to, to how many people does a one horse employ? We're looking at all the vet people now, you know, that they employ. But he, he was talking that, you know, the, the horses are, are born and bred to run. And when those horses are born, it's, you know, you've got to start looking at it. How how are they fed? Who's feeding them? What are you feeding them? You know, are, are they getting the proper feed? 
uh, are they getting the proper exercise, you know, out in the fields? Did they have any injuries on, on the farm when they were being raised? Uh, you know, there's just so much there that you have to take into consideration. And so now it, it looks like that um, a lot of these catastrophes that we have on the track are coming from way the horses have been raised and who and, and their bloodline. Uh, the bloodline is really important because you, you ultrasound their legs and, and you ultrasound their heart and their lungs and you see how thick the lungs are, the walls are, how thick the heart and how big the heart walls are. Um, you see uh, uh, how, how the bone density, you know, is, is, it, is it solid, uh, you know, just how is it? And, and in the horse business, the closer the inbreeding gets, in, in the bloodline, the, the larger the, the uh, bone cells are. And, and so you try to try to avoid a lot of uh, inbreeding uh, in your bloodlines when, when you're looking at a racehorse. Um, because you get a little bit stronger and the bone density stronger, the uh, muscle and, and the heart and the lung is a little stronger. And, and then you got to look at how they were fed. Where they fed the proper nutritionist uh, food that they're supposed to get. Um, the the one thing that I always uh, liked, and when I was at One Star Farm, we weighed the horses, and if we noticed, uh, you know, a, a big uh, jump in weight uh, from week to week, if there was a big jump in weight, then you know the trainers would back off of them a little bit. Uh, you know, they they would kind of back off. If they were losing weight, they would up their feet. Uh, you know, to to kind of catch them, get them, catch those growth spurts is what they were trying to do. And, and so, you know, you start looking at things like that, you know, what do you do to them? And, and believe you me, uh, a lot of these trainers, they, they try to get those horses ready to run in a two-year-old season, you know. And, and let me tell you, that's probably the most damaging thing that you can do to these young horses is get them ready too quick, too soon. And, and because what happens is when that horse is growing and, and, he's, and he's good and he looks good and he runs good and, you know, everything's good about him, well, what happens is that bone, when it grows and, and then it's stressed, the horses get what they call like buck shins or they get sore. And that happens is because uh, they were you know, just being pushed maybe a little bit too hard, and that can happen. And there's a variety of reasons. But whenever that you notice that a horse is sore or, you know, the shins are hurting him or, you know, what have you, the body is trying to send, you know, nutrition to those areas so it will heal and repair itself. You know, and, and if you stress it every day, day in and day out, the body never has time to catch up to heal itself, you know, and that's why you get the things that you get. And then you get the trainers that will start getting them, butte, you know, and medications, you know, to, to alleviate that pain, but still keep on training with them. You know, in, in the old days, you know, a two-year-old ran two or three times, maybe, if that, uh, you know, getting ready to go to, to the racing. Then they'd have a good three-year-old year, and you know, then they'd race as an older horse. But you got to learn to, you know, help the horse out. And the, the biggest thing that I learned on, on the track and, and at the farm 
uh, whenever you see a horse walking sore or if you touch the horse's back and it's sore or legs or, you know, what have you, that's usually the secondary injury. That's the injury that you notice. But there was something injured that caused you to notice that. So you got to go over the horse with a fine-tooth comb and see just exactly what it is, you know, why they're sore. And then when you figure out why they're sore, then you learn what to do and what not to do. You know, and, and that's the main thing, you know, that you got to do. And, and like I said, a lot of these horses are getting uh, pushed along too quick. They're getting them to the sales too early. They're trying to make, a, uh, you know, a run at some races, you know, their two-year-old year to, to uh, uh, you know, get them ready for all the big races as a three- and four-year-old and all like that, but they're just pushing them too much because because the purse money is so good out there. One of the uh, uh, examples I'm going to use here is at Saratoga. And I tell you, Saratoga is a great place, one of the best places in the world that you, that you can go to. And you always want your horse to win at Saratoga. And you, the reason you do that is in order to create a value on the horse. Um, when, when, and the reason you create a value on a horse, we'll say, uh, for example, um, there, there's a Philly race up at Saratoga, and it's it's um, tomorrow. And I tell you, it makes you really think when you sit back and you start looking at that program and thinking about it and everything. You said, "Gee whiz." This is a, a nice race, nice horse. Got to take a look at this and see, you know, see what it is. So you go up there and you look at the race, and I'm telling you, I was stunned. But it makes sense to what I'm going to tell you. This is a maiden special weight two-year-olds. It's $136,500 in, in prize money for the horse. It's going six furlongs. And it, this is a nice race. It's a 13-horse field. You got horses from uh, Indiana. You got them from Kentucky, Louisiana, uh, Florida. You name it, you, you got it. But this is the whole thing about the two-year-old deal. Everybody getting them ready. It's going six furlongs on the dirt. You got a 13-horse wheel. You got a $136,500 purse. Now, everybody would like to win at Saratoga. You get Saratoga win on your resume, and it's great. But with this, this race here, it's for Phillies. And if she can come back and show in her race career, she broke her maiden at Saratoga. She goes on and wins other races all across the country and does good. But the Saratoga breaking her maiden that early adds a lot of validity to her bloodline. So when you go to breed her or you go to sell her, you know, you're saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, she broke her maiden at Saratoga on August 26th. She went on and won seven or eight more races in her racing career and Makes three or four hundred thousand dollars, you know, when it's like a Gulfstream or Kentucky or, you know, New York or Maryland. 
that adds a lot of value to your horse. And that's what these owners and breeders are thinking with these two-year-olds, especially the fillies. And this just kind of jumped up and hit me. There's quite a few uh, filly races up there for this kind of money. And you got to remember, if this horse wins, you know, a $136,000 race, you know, you're looking like at a $65,000, you know, bank put in your bank. And so now that's why these trainers and owners try to do what they do. And it's to establish a breeding value, you know, to them. And they do the same thing with the Colts. And they do the same thing trying to get them there as quick as they can. And so that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, people having horses break down, um, you know, that type of thing, because it's pushing these young horses. Uh, you know, real quick, you know, and, and it makes it tough. It makes it tough, but that's, that's part of all the part of the establishment that they're trying to do now that, um, you know, we're talking about uh, these horses that are breaking down. Uh, they're, they're being pushed too hard. Uh, they should wait till they're later like they do over in Europe. Uh, they wait, wait till a later age. Um, like right now, you can't pin fire horses. Uh, and that's the process that they do to tighten up the skin around uh, horses that buck shins. So, you know, uh, they're doing a lot of things that uh, they're doing in Europe now over here, and, and it makes a big difference, you know, in, in how the horses train and how they run and how far you can push them and how fast you can push them. And, and the reason they're doing this is the purse money. Um, for example, Churchill Downs for the September meet is given $3.75 million, uh, $3.7 million for the September meet. We're looking at 14 days, people. 14 days that they're going to be racing for that kind of money. It's just, it's just unbelievable. The, the condition book of scheduled races for September meet, uh, features 135 races. A record $15.1 million in prize money for a daily average of a million eighty thousand dollars. A million eighty thousand dollars a day. You're giving out in 10 races each day. You know, it's just amazing, you know, how they're doing that. Uh, you know, that's why the trainers push like they do because they've got that kind of money out there to get. And, you can win a couple of those races, you know, you paid for your horse for the year and win a few more the next year and you paid for the horse as a whole. Um, and tracks are working with the trainers and the owners to get things, uh, you know, going there. Some of the highlights that they have, uh, Twilight Thursday featuring $2 select domestic beers, live music, food trucks, Thursday, September 14th, 21st, and 28th. You know, so they're making it economical for the, um, uh, you know, for the patron to come out, you know, to the track and see what's going on. Um, they got the road to the 150th uh, Kentucky Derby and the 150 uh, Kentucky Oaks on Saturday, uh, September 16th. Um, they got stakes room brunch Sundays, uh, Sunday the 17th and the 24th, both Sundays. Uh, Downs after the dark, they have a bourbon and boots uh, Saturday night uh, entertainment or night, night, nightly entertainment. 
And then they have Family Adventure Day on Sunday. Uh, the 14-day meet will uh, be staged over three weeks from Thursday, September 14th through Sunday, October 1st, with racing on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. So they kind of like get their money's worth out of it. Um, you know, so that, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And you know, and, and what's funny is uh, a lot of the tracks that are doing this, you know, like, uh, you go to Belmont or Gulfstream and, you know, they're, they're doing their thing and, and they got their, their thing going on. Colonial Downs in uh, Virginia now, in Richmond, Virginia, um, they're, they've got a great program going on up there. Good racing. Uh, fantastic racing. They had the Arlington Million, and you know they've got big time purse money there, and uh, and that's what I like, you know, about the business. They're starting to realize that uh, uh, the hardcore gambler is not what makes us successful. What makes us successful are the general uh, 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 people, uh, the common, the common people. I'll say, you know, straight up. Just regular guys like me and you that like to go out to the races and, and see the races and, and, you know, have a good time, take the family, you know, and that's what's nice about it is before you used to not be able to take the family, uh, you know, especially the kids because everybody's drinking and smoking and, you know, it just was a bad atmosphere. But now over the last 10 years, uh, the industry has changed that and they made it family friendly. Uh, you know, like when you go to Saratoga, you can take take the kids and, you know, you can take a cooler in and, and you know, it's just really made special. Same thing at Mammoth Park and, you know, all, all the big tracks and everything, they do that. And, and, and the business is going good. It's going good. And, and I'll tell you a good example now. Uh, the Hollywood Casino at Charlestown uh, races, is, is that place used to be a dive. And now it's, it's really pretty good. And they, the casino got there. They cleaned the place up, and they've got a lot of things going there. And, for example, uh, they have uh, this weekend coming up on, on the – well, that's today. And that they're racing today up there. And it's a Friday. And in order for them to highlight and get a lot of attention to their racing there at the, uh, Charlestown, uh, they switched their big races to Friday, which is today. Okay, they got a hundred thousand uh, dollar. They got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar guaranteed race for Phillies, three year olds going seven furlongs on the dirt. And I'm telling you, it's really a great field. They got they got a a twelve horse field, and some of the best trainers in the country are there. And we're looking at $750,000 for this race for three-year-olds. And you hit that jackpot, and, you know, you're looking at uh, $375,000 to the winner. That's some good money. That goes off at 9.44 p.m. tonight. And it's uh, called the Charlestown um, Oaks, grade three, post time, 9.44 so, you know, tracks are starting to uh, get the big trainers in for races like this. And, and that's what's important, you know, is that we make the money there for the trainers. Uh, you know, you give them a lot of options to do that. And then later on tonight, uh, we're looking at these are all under the lights. Um, 
we are looking at the Charlestown Classic. It's a grade two. It's been a good stakes race for a long, long time. It's a million dollars. You know, you're looking at 650000 to the winner, you know, uh, out of that million dollars. Full horse field, some of the best trainers in the country are there. Some of the best jockeys in the country are there. You know, it's just, uh, it's really a, a good race. Um, and that post time tonight for them will be 1025. And it's a real good thing. They got a lot of things to do over there, food and entertainment, you know, that type of thing. But the whole point is, is that the racehorse industry is now starting to make the purse money worthwhile for these trainers and owners to go to. And unfortunately, when you get these big purses, these guys really want to get there to it, you know, and it makes it tough on the horses, you know, because, uh, like I said, sometimes, you know, they would rush these horses too much and it makes it tough. And so now we're going to jump up to Saratoga, and which is today. And uh, this the post time for the personal incident is uh, 5:44. Um, this is a, it's a good race. It's a six horse field. Have a horse in there called Mest, one of the best horses in the country. Uh, this horse is just uh, phenomenal, and she wins this today. She will be filly of the year. That's for sure. She will be filly of the year. And, you know, and you're looking at a $500,000 purse from uh, you know this race. Uh, like I said, it's a six-horse field. Um, and what I like about it is Clary Air, uh, trained by Steve Ashmussen, is always trying to beat Nest, but never can get to her. She gets close, but never gets to her. And then we have Secret Oath, which was the Kentucky Oaks winner for D. Wayne Lucas. She's always trying to get at these horses. Just can't do it. You know, they're bunched up together, but for some reason or another, Nest just jumps in front of them right at the last minute and wins. So that that's going to be good. And that's today and that post time uh, is 5:44 Eastern time out of Saratoga. Saratoga is a, is a great weekend this weekend, especially tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is really a good weekend. Um, we have the race seven on the card over there at 3:07 tomorrow. It's called the Forgo uh, Stakes. It's a grade one stakes race. It's $500,000 for four-year-olds and upward. And they've got a small field. It's a five-horse field. And I tell you what, it, this could be any one of these five horses. Could be They could all be at the wire at the same time. It could be a photo with all five of them in a photo finish. Uh, we've got Billy Mott is in there, Steve Ashmussen. Uh, Billy's got two horses actually in here. Got Chad Brown and, and uh, Jacobson, and those guys are boy, they're they're tough. They're tough, tough, tough. It's seven furlongs on the dirt, so you know that'll be something uh, good to see. That post time, uh, you know, will be, and you can see it on IENTV.org. Uh, that that'll be uh, coming up here at three thirty. Um, then uh, another race they have on the card. Like I said, this is a full day of good racing. Uh, up here at the 11th race, and that'll be at 4, 419. Um, that's the H. Allen Jerkins Memorial Stakes Race. It's a grade one. Um, they're going seven furlongs. It's for three-year-olds, uh, the, uh, Colts, Phillies, Bears. If you're three-year-old, you can run in it. Uh, it, it's really a great race. It's another race, six horse field. And, uh, you got Arabian Lion from Bob Baffert in California is coming out for it. 
uh, that Arabian Lion was a, a derby contender at one time and really good. You know, we have um, Verify from Brad Cox. That horse can just flat out run. Bob Baffert's got Fort Bragg in there. I mean, yeah, Fort Bragg, which is which is a two, uh, tough horse. And that's the 419. That's a half a million dollar race. So we're looking at quite a few million dollars on the card today and or tomorrow at uh, Saratoga. Uh, and then the race after that is the Ballerina Stakes. It's a grade one also. Um, it's for fillings and mares, three-year-olds and up. Um, this race is always a good race. It's going seven furlongs. We've got an eight-horse field uh, in there. Uh, Sugar McGahee's got a, a nice horse in there. Um, he's going to be tough. Brad Cox has got a good horse in there. Uh, you know, Echo Zulu uh, for Ash Mason's there. Uh, good night, Olive uh, from our, um, Chad Brown's there. Uh, Billy Mott's got uh, Carmel Swirl. It's there. It's going to be, uh, it could be another, you know, close photo finish. But the whole point I'm getting behind all this is the fact that the money is being put up by the racetracks. The racetracks are making it better uh, competition and making it a lot, uh, or inviting for the general public to come in. And what I like is you don't have to really know a lot about these horses. You just get caught up in the spirit, you know, of race day, you know, at Saratoga. Uh, and then I tell you, we, we got a race here that, uh, it's called the Resorts World Casino Sword Dancer. And, uh, this is a mile and a half on a turf, on the inner turf. And let me tell you, you got some good, good horses in here. Christophe Clement has a Soldier Rising in there. Um, you know, we have uh, Aiden O'Brien from Europe has Beloichoy Ballet. Uh, I mean, it, it's good. Billy Mott's got the Channel Maker in there. Been around forever. That horse is nine years old and still beating all these young horses. And Chad Brown's got... Uh, uh, Stone Age, which is a tough horse in there. So you're getting good entertainment there, and you're getting good quality racing. You know, so even the novice can bet $2 on one of them and probably get get a a, a good deal. And then um, the big one, it's called the Summertime Derby. It's the Traverse States. And I tell you what, it's a $1,250,000. We've got a seven-horse field, and it could be any one of them. It could literally be any one of them. It's a mile and a quarter, and it's like the Derby's in the spring, the Traverse is in the, at the end of the summer, kind of closing down our summer and getting ready to go into the fall, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup. But we have Derby favorite uh, last year, or this past Derby, Forte for Todd Pletcher, he's in there. We have the Belmont winner in there for um, uh, Jenna Antonacci in there. We have a Tappet Trice, which was in, in the hunt in the Derby, all the races. You know, he was good. We have the Derby winner, Mash, uh, in there with uh, Louis Saez on him. Uh, we have National Treasure for Bob Baffert from out west, which is a heck of a horse. Steve Ashmeason has disarmed. Uh, in there, which is just unbelievable. 
And then here's my derby. Here, here's my Travers winner. This is the one I picked. Billy Mott's horse called Scotland. This horse, you don't know what kind of horse you're going to get when he comes out. He could come out and he could be a bear and he could run this field in the ground. Or he could be, you know, pick it up and finish last. Uh, whatever this horse does, he does good. If he, if he runs, if he runs and wins this thing, then that's good. But if he runs last, he's going to run a good last. You know, this horse is just good all the way around. We just don't know what kind of good he's going to bring out of the gate, you know, uh, at, uh, 611 tomorrow, uh, in, in the Traverse stakes. But, um, you know, the whole point of what we just talked about, was to prove that the horse industry is on the mends. They're trying to make it make up for the COVID. They're trying to do a lot of things, and they're doing it through, um, you know, the, the track by making it more entertaining and fun for the, for the general public to come in. Good food, good entertainment, uh, being able to see the horses. Uh, they offer good money for the trainers and owners to keep them in the business to keep them breeding and, and, you know, breaking horses and, and breaking babies and bring them to the track. And, you know, those are the things that they're all trying to do. Uh, and it takes a combination of everything. It takes a combination of the breeders, the owners, uh, you know, the trainers, the jockeys, all the people we just talked uh, talked about, you know, and hopefully we could get, you know, some people, new people out there to see what's going on and spend a good time outside, you know, in the fresh air and, and at, at the tracks and see what all they have and, you know, enjoy some good foods, create some traditions, you know, that type of thing. And, and so everybody's getting down, all the tracks are getting down now, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup coming up out at Santa Anita first weekend in November and see what happens. Now, while well, I'm all excited about tomorrow, and, and even though I'm not in Saratoga, I am I am in a couple of ways I'm at Saratoga, but I'm really not. But I've got my TV here, and I can watch Saratoga and all these races. But I've prepared a good weekend, and I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm having barbecue, chicken and, and ribs, potato salad, coleslaw, key lime pie. Um, having rolls iced tea, salad, ice cream. And there's just me here, guys. <laughs> just me here. And I'm one of those guys that nobody likes to be around, you know. I can't give me a girlfriend, a wife, or else I can get a strife in my life, you know. But, um, uh, no, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. And I've got the barbecue, and just as I'm at Saratoga. And the reason I'm doing that is, is because I have part ownership and a horse called Ironworks, and hopefully he can get in tomorrow. He's on the also eligible list. Um, he, uh, if it rains up there and it comes off the grass, you know, uh, then he'll he'll get in for sure. But if if nobody uh, scratches out, uh, you know, we're on the also eligible list to get in. But hopefully we'll you know we'll get in. It's a mile and three sixteenths on the turf, and we. Pushed him and prepped him for all summer long for a race like this. It's $156,000 uh, in the race. And boy, we sure can use that kind of money, you know, to, to keep things going here at IEM and everything. So that, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. It's 
good good weekend. And then this is my favorite weekend of the year, I think. And the reason it is is because we start off the 2024, how they get there, the Kentucky Derby. And the first stakes race that's coming up uh, is September 16th. Um, it's the Iroquois Stakes. It's a $300,000 added going a mile at, at Churchill on the dirt. And that's uh, derby points are awarded in there, and that starts the whole process for getting in the 2024 Kentucky Derby. It's quite a few months of uh, prep races. Every weekend we'll have prep races on there that award points to get to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, we can start uh, weeding them out now and seeing who's going to be, you know, what, when, and where. And, and then we have um, also uh, uh, on the, uh, the 24th, we have the Judamont Royal Lodge from New Market, England. Uh, that's a derby point uh, getter right there. And then we have the Hope Pocahontas for two-year-olds going a mile uh, there at Churchill for Phillies and see if they can get into the Kentucky Oaks. So we start the process of whittling them down now and earning points, and, you know, we're going to have a front runner out on Saturday night, you know, and then uh, week, next week we might have somebody, a different front runner, uh, you know, that's there. But that's what it's all about. It's about tradition. It's about planning out your year, uh, you know, to get to the Kentucky Derby. Um, then there's the Preakness and the Belmont next year, and then it all starts all over again. But the whole long and short of this uh, this show today was that um, just showing you how organization uh, affects all of our lives, no matter whether you're in the horse business, car business, you know, grocery business, whatever. you got to have a good plan, stick to your plan, and that will help you adjust your life and you can live life a little bit easier. Uh, I know that um, I, I'm really super organized. You know, I work from this point all year long after being sick all year long with cancer and everything, but now I'm to a point where I'm relaxed. I've got my, I got my uh, center going and, you know, I'm ready to go and ready to have some fun and I can handle whatever comes at me now. After this last year, I can handle whatever comes after me now, you know, because God's given me the strength to do that. He's given me all the friends. He's given me the horse business. He's given me everything that I can do. And so I just want to say, join us next Friday for another international equine report. We'll have all the results from the races this week. Uh, we got some show uh, show results uh, from this week that we'll have, and some harness racing on uh, the Little Brown Jug. And uh, it's going to be a good one. You guys have a great weekend. Have a good Travers Day tomorrow. And that's a, a big race at Saratoga. And then, um, you know, just uh, make the best of it. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week on International Equine Report.